Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Conrad, and this show is where we hear the real stories from real people changing the world. From everyday people to the top celebrities, all the conversations are real, raw, and always unscripted. Thank you for joining me today. Now let's get to today's guest. All right, everybody, welcome to Unscripted One-on-One from my still unnamed, unsponsored studios here in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, <laughs> I know uh, my guests will appreciate that. And actually, I want to touch on something in a second. But let me let my guest in and go ahead and introduce himself, and we will go from there. Hello, I am uh, Aaron Conrad. I'm the host of the Unscripted <laughs> Pot. Wait, no? Oh, no, that's that's you. Okay. That's um, me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I am Joey Powell, and I am thrilled to be here on the Unscripted Podcast with Aaron. Um, I am uh, I live in Durham, North Carolina. I'm a father of two great kids and husband to a phenomenal, phenomenal lady. Um, I, uh, I run the 501c3 called the MeFine Foundation. Uh, they're head, headquartered here out of the Triangle area of North Carolina. I uh, graduated from UNC in, uh, in 2001. I uh, have a couple of side projects that are heavily uh, Tar Heel influenced, and those are really fun. Uh, just things that I've been lucky enough to be able to turn those into a, a side gig. But yeah, man, just uh, loving loving the opportunity to live a, a kind of purpose-driven life and uh, having getting a chance to have conversations like this. Yeah, I tell you what, it's funny. I uh, Well, first, let me... Let me put a, a pin in everything else. And I got to say, you know, I know I watched your podcast, of course, and I know one of your sponsors is Johnny T-Shirt. And so I just want to say if, if Johnny T-Shirt ever wants to sponsor this little podcast <laughs> in Columbus, Ohio, I know a guy. I know a Work guy. You know, you know a guy now. Work it. Johnny, I've given Johnny T-Shirt enough money, including the hat that I'm wearing, that, that <laughs> and my wife every year, they have my wife on speed dial every year at Christmas because (laughs) from what i from what i've learned you kind of stop there on the way to your obx trip just about every year right every year man we haven't been to obx in a few years but but no it's a it's a it's a part of the tour uh we stay overnight and over in uh, chapel hill we we hit up sutton's we hit up giant t-shirt we hit up franklin street and uh yeah we've we've spent many a dime so i'm thinking you know giant t-shirt could maybe throw us throw me a bone here in columbus ohio i can't promise a lot because we are in the in the (laughs) I mean, I, I, you know, the ROI in for Johnny T-shirt in Columbus, Ohio is probably not really good. And I'm probably losing any chance of a sponsorship now. Their but target I, audience is like three people. It's you and whoever you, whoever you happen to be talking to that day, right? That's right. That's right. So, so anyway, Johnny T-shirt, love them. Uh, glad they're a sponsor of yours. Great, great little, little business down there in uh, Franklin town or Franklin street. And uh, we, we love Chapel Hill. We really do. So, man, I, right. look. Uh, small world my first when I actually took my visit to UNC um that was the first store in Franklin Street I went into yep and it just blew my you know I, I came from Fayetteville North Carolina which is very much like southern um medium-sized town built around a, a gigantic uh, military base but I'd never been to any place that was like a quaint little you know shop like that I'd yeah. never spending time on a college campus so yeah man I, I'm I, like you I've got a I got a personal tie to that place love it love that place and it, and by the looks of the walls behind you you've probably spent a few dollars in there too <laughs> i'd love to i'd love to say that all the stuff behind me was given to me because of my awesomeness and just general <laughs> um general decency as a human being but you'd be closer to the right than i would be 
<laughs> there you go. All right. Well, and this isn't my uh, my Carolina man cave. That's upstairs. I, I've had to move to the basement because I have a dog that barks. So uh, <laughs> here we are. But anyway, um, all right. All right. So uh, so we're glad to have you on. We had our buddy Rel on. And, and as soon as Rel was on, I, I knew I had to have you on. And it's funny how the Twitter world works because I, I know you because of Twitter. Um, and so maybe let's start there. And, and so and again, there's an unscripted, underwritten rule that if I ever ask you a question, you don't want to answer it or can't answer it. You just say pass. OK, yeah. so is it true that you took time off of Twitter because you were one of my son <laughs> and I, my son is 20 now. And we have ever since we've been on Twitter, I think he was on Twitter when he was about nine years old. That blows and, my mind. <laughs> but we followed. And one of my favorite things used to be when you would get into really good Twitter wars with the the opposing fan bases and then one day you just disappeared for a while so did you just take a break from twitter or what happened so one of the things you've probably figured out about me or will learn over the course of this episode today is uh i do everything i do with a whole lot of passion yep and i don't hide that i think that that authenticity has served me really well i think it's allowed me to get more out of life and you know my time on this planet and so when I have conversations with people, whether they're digital or, you know, virtual or whatever, I'm all in, right? Like I'm all in for that conversation. And, um, you know, I'm pretty off the cuff. Like I'm going to tell you what I think. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's bad. And sometimes people want to hear it. Sometimes they don't. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of how I operate. And one of the things that I struggle with was just the political side of Twitter. Um, you know, I would get pretty fired up by a lot of that stuff. And it just wasn't serving me right about the time the Kavanaugh, uh, the Kavanaugh justice confirmation hearings were happening. Um, and I'm not going to take this episode political on you, but sure, it, it just it was time for me to step away. I just yeah. it was it was causing me too much strife. Uh, I was I was wrestling with. I don't know, it was just it was making me not a happy person. And I missed that interaction because like you said, I loved interacting with with Tar Heel fans. I love the the fan baiting. I love mm-hmm. um I love trolling. I love the memes that come from Twitter. Um <laughs> right. and I just I had to drop it cold turkey, man. It was just it was it was not it was not the ROI to to use one of your earlier terms from the show was just not what I needed it to be. Yeah. Uh, not for a not for a father of two kids and a guy running a nonprofit. It was just it was more more struggle than it was worth. And yeah. you know when you run a small nonprofit when you disappear from social media and people had kind of identified me a little bit with that. Um, you lose a little of that voice too. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I don't, I don't make any bones about it. I'm not anybody important. I'm not special. I'm not, you know, I'm not famous, none of that, but, uh, you know, I have actually been able to help our organization just by communicating with people and, you know, sure. whether they, I, whether they agree with what I say or not, I'd like to think that people at least hopefully can appreciate that I am honest and, and pretty forthright. Uh, so when you take that time away from Twitter, you lose a little bit of the the microphone to talk about the, what the organization does. So I've that's that sucked a little bit, but again, I still think the the net the the net gain was better for me mentally. Just kind of step away for a little bit, and I've I've dipped my toe back in the waters the last little while. It's kind of like yeah. uh, you know you pick your head up and look to see if the now the house is falling on the wicked witch. Can you see what else is going on in the world? Is it okay to come out and right? You know, Glenda's over there saying, "All right, yeah, it's okay." So, so I'm the I'm the Munchkin with the really, really twirly mustache and the green hat that comes out and realizes it's all right now. So I'm I'm not gonna go full full bore back into it, but I do miss the 
I mean, I'm, I'm a people person, so I, yeah. I miss the, I miss the engagement. I miss this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I miss that a little bit, but you know, just trying to pick my spots and, and find a happy medium. Well, and I, I would say too, that for us, um, when you, when you stepped away, it was, there, there was, it was noticeable, you know, for, for me. I, and I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly don't even know how many followers you have. I don't know how many I have. I, I, I don't, I'm not that guy. Um, I just like Twitter. And for me, a guy living in Buckeye country, in the heart of Buckeye yeah. country. Um, I've done my best to trim my feed down to some friends that are Buckeye fans, but mostly Twitter, you know, Tar Heel fans, which is all yeah. about Twitter. You can, yeah. you can create your own audience. And um, you know, it was noticeable when you were, when you were gone. And then when you came back, I, I've noticed a kinder, gentler JP. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that's true or not, but it seems like, you know, it's just much more Tar Heel based and not as much baiting. And, and I don't care either way. I mean, yeah. Each person, like tw- every person's Twitter, but what, what I always say is, and I've, we've been on for uh, 10 minutes. Um, what I always say is what I want to, when I meet somebody that I've followed on Twitter, met on Twitter, mm-hmm. when I meet them in real life, like we are right now, I want to make, I, I want to know that you're the guy that you say you are on social media. Cause there's a lot of people that act like they're not, right. you know, and uh, in the 10 minutes that we've been on so far, I haven't seen anything other than what I always see on there, which is good. It's a good thing. That's a, that's it was a probably problem. my problem, right? Like, again, like couching it in that, in the fact that I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I wear my emotions on my sleeve and I'm pretty right. easy to read. Um, and the fact that I, I do go from zero to 60 pretty quickly and I've mellowed right. in my age, but um yeah, that, that, that was probably a negative for me was the yeah. fact that, you know, I, I did jump into any conversations like, okay, we're, we're going to go there. All right, let's go. You're right. Right. I, I won't. So this is an unscripted first and actually I've never revealed this to the world. Nice. I once, I once had a burner account called Dean's dome, the Dean's dome or, or oh, Dean's wow. dome. and it wasn't the Dean dome. It was Dean's dome. Right. And the profile picture was a picture of Michael Jordan kissing Dean Smith on the head and I got, I once got in a really bad Twitter war with, is it Scott Wood? Is that the guy that played for North Carolina? That played was for a state. Shooter? NC yeah, state. played for yeah, state. NC. Yeah, he was, he was a bit of a talker. Yeah, so, really yeah, good so, shooter though. Yeah, really good shooter. So we got in a really big fight on Twitter one time and I made fun of him because his Twitter profile picture was him holding a cat. <laughs> so, it's a, it's a joke writes itself. That's when I, that's when I knew it was time to step away. And so yeah. if you search, I, maybe somebody else owns that now. I don't have it anymore, but, but it was crazy. That thing blew up on me a little bit, but anyway, uh, so back to, so I didn't really want to get on a Twitter right hole, but, but you were missed. I'm glad you're back and uh, I'm glad Thanks, to have man. you on today. I really am. So let's, uh, should we, I know as soon as we start talking Carolina hoops, anybody listening is going to turn their car off in the neighborhood I live in. So, um, but you know, the other fans from Twitter that know maybe you or I, or both. Hell Carolina fans might turn their car off right now. Like, you know, it's (laughs) the way the, the way the season's not, uh, hasn't improved the way folks want it to. Maybe they'll turn their own cars off. Right. Right. Let's start with the most important thing. And then we'll, we'll talk hoops at the end. Cause that, that's that I want people to hear this before we get off. So if anybody's still listening in Buckeye land, Please keep listening because there's a, something very important that I want that I want you to talk about, and that is me fine. Yeah. Um, let's talk about me fine. Tell me about it. Tell me how you got connected with it, and uh, and let's uh, let's really talk about me fine. Um, I always try to tell the story, and I know it doesn't sound like I'm polished when I open the sentence with um. Hey, but... It's unscripted. <laughs> there we go. I'm just, I'm, I'm just playing to the brand, baby. There you go, uh, baby. <laughs> when I when I was about. I'm having to do some math here, and I was told that there would be no math. Um, <laughs> uh, when I was probably 31 or 32, um, you kind of hit that age where 
I think men normally hit that age around their thirties, women probably hit in their mid twenties, but you start trying to make meaning out of everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, it just so happened to be around the time that I'd gotten married, uh, had my first kid and was just really trying to sort out like, what's, what is my epitaph going to read if I get hit by a bus tomorrow? Right. Right. And I realized the morbidity that comes with that. I recognize it's a very macabre way to look at things, but it's, it's just how I thought. And I think a lot of people come to grips with their own mortality when they bring another child into the world. And, and so I was, I was thinking about like, you know, what are they going to tell my kid about me if, if, if I'm gone tomorrow? Because, you know, none of us have a, none of us have a guaranteed other than we have a guaranteed end date. Right. And so I, I kind of started evaluating things and I had been working for sports radio, the ESPN affiliate here uh, in the triangle for a while really loved it, uh, was good at it, wasn't on the, wasn't on, on the air, but um, did a lot of marketing and sales and stuff for them and, and really enjoyed it and made great money. Um, but I was unfulfilled, right? I, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't giving the most, nor did I think that the world was getting the most of what I'm intended to be while I'm here. And I had been involved in a lot of different nonprofits. Uh, you know, I'd done the boys and uh, boys and girls clubs. I'd been a big brother. Um, had been a house volunteer at our local Ronald McDonald House in Chapel Hill for a long time. I just, I, I got, I was a youth basketball coach for like seven or eight years. Loved that, but I, I had never really gotten involved in anything incredibly deeply. So then I started getting on a couple of boards. Um, and still was really unfulfilled with all the other stuff I was doing with, you know, kind of when you look at, when you looked at, at who I was as a whole. And uh, I had this idea to start my own nonprofit, which if anybody listening uh, is thinking about doing that, I would strongly recommend against it. Go find somebody that's doing what you want to do. Don't duplicate efforts. Don't thin out the resources. Go find somebody that's doing what you want to do. Get fired up about it and go all in. Yeah. Um, but when I was doing the research about kind of starting my own thing, I recognized that it wasn't really feasible for me to pull it off. Like what I wanted to do was, was too big in scope. It was too deep. And it was something that there was no way I was going to be able to afford to have my career and go do this part-time. So I kind of let that go. And about two years later, um, a friend of mine at the time who was me finds advisory board chair heard about this idea through mutual friend, you know, come my idea for a nonprofit and said, do you want to come do this under our umbrella? I was like, well, okay, sure. What the hell? Try it out. And um, I did. And it worked out and turned out to be something easy that, that Mifine could do with their, their MO. And at that point, she reached out and said, look, we're looking to, to hire a full-time executive director. Uh, first time we would have been paid anybody to be a full-time paid ED. Would you be interested? And I knew they were dealing with some founder syndrome. Uh, the organization was founded by a lady named Lori Lee. And uh, she founded MeFine, which is MeFineFoundation.org, M-E-F-I-N-E Foundation.org. Um, she founded the organization where her son was diagnosed with AML leukemia at a very, very young age. Uh, childhood disease does not discriminate. Right. Uh, Lori had a great family, um, you know, dual income her husband's a very very um very successful uh, in his career she was very successful but that just kind of made things stop on a dime and while she was going through the various treatments and stuff over his short life she realized that a lot of families who were dealing with the same thing were watching their lives unravel around them 
because they could not maintain any sense of stability while their child was facing uh, whatever treatment or disease that the child was facing. And she wasn't okay with that. Hmm. She felt like, you know, her calling was there needs to be more done about this. Yeah. Specifically, it was around making sure families weren't being evicted because they couldn't, they couldn't pay their rent while their kid was being treated for, for cancer. Yeah. Um, you know, families who have a kid with a chronic condition uh, and they can't discharge the kid from a, from a hospital you know, admission because they don't have working utilities at the home. She wasn't cool with that, decided to start me fine. And literally it was like her calling uh, her circle of friends in a small town in North Carolina to see if anyone would give some money to help keep a family from being evicted. And that's how it starts. Like it's wow. just, she had, she, she had a thing that she wanted to do. She was driven and she made it happen. And when her son passed, Mifine became his legacy. Hmm. Uh, the name Mifine came because inevitably, regardless of what he was dealing with, whether it was, you know, major transfusion, um, you know, uh, you know, long time isolation in a hospital unit, whatever, whenever he was asked in the morning, how you doing today, buddy? He'd always say me fine. Mm. And that's, that's stuck, right? People always mm. hear our name and they're like, what does it, what does it mean? Like, right. am I not pronouncing it right? Is the syntax or the grammar, is it correct? Right, right. But then when I tell that story, they never forget. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So about that time, Lori had kind of gotten me fine to the place uh, that she couldn't really, she didn't feel like she could do much more for it than what she had done. Not because of a limitation of skill or a limitation of time, but just the way organizations grow. It's not any different from uh, an entrepreneur when they find they they hatch something, they give it everything they've got. At some point, they burn out, mm-hmm. or the organization outgrows them, and that's yeah. kind of where Mifon was. We were at a place where uh, she wanted it to to thrive and survive, and and she she knew that you know it was probably going to need to be run by someone else, and I just happened to be you know lucky enough to be on the advisory board at that point in time, so. I was looking for more meaning out of my life. Uh, this is right around Christmas of 2012. And, and, you know, the board chair said, hey, do you, do you want to come do this? And I was like, you know, what the hell, right? Um, made the leap. Uh, it took a leap of faith. It took a lot of soul searching. But once I decided to do it, I've never second guessed it for, for a bit. Awesome. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, that was, like I said, that was uh, start of 2013. Uh, we're going into... I guess year nine now, we just finished yeah. up or er, wrapping up eight, entering in nine. Um, and at some point, if I'm doing my job well, the organization will outgrow me. I have no no hesitation about saying that. If, if I do my job well enough, then I'll need to do the same thing that Lori did and hand it off to somebody else. But what we do is we provide financial assistance and emotional support programs to families that have a child facing uh, a medical crisis at our partner hospitals. Our partner hospitals are Duke Children's. Uh, which is a very world-renowned research hospital. They teach like, or they teach, they treat the, um, they treat the most rare of rare conditions, orphan-type diseases, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, we we partner with the North Carolina Children's Hospital in Chapel Hill. Um, that one is the state hospital of North Carolina. That is where um, most of the um, most of the specialties are, where there's more wraparound care for specialties at the North Carolina Children's Hospital than anywhere else in the state. Um, and again, they are public. And then we also just two years ago added a partnership with Wake Med Children's Hospital, which is in Raleigh, which is the state capital. Uh, it's more of a regional hospital and a community hospital in the sense that it's located in a part of Raleigh that is uh, probably economically depressed. 
Um, you know, it is very, it's a very diverse community, but it is in every sense of the word, a community hospital. They see a lot more trauma as right. opposed to uh, long-term care or chronic conditions or, or even, um, even terminal diseases. But just because they're not dealing with long-term disease doesn't mean that they don't suffer the same sort, those families don't suffer the same situations that a family with, you know, uh, cystic fibrosis or, you know, hypoplastic left heart syndrome or something like that deals with. Right. So our goal is to lessen the burdens that parents and caregivers face after their child has, has received a diagnosis, whether wow. that's a kid in an ATV accident, that's going to be in the hospital for three weeks and the parents can afford parking or whether that's, you know, a family that, um, I'll tell you the story. Uh, and this is one that if, if you're, uh, if your listeners and I, I, I get the, I get the sense that, um, yeah, I know you're a man of faith and I know a lot of your listeners are, and some of your past guests have been as well. Um, if you can imagine, we had a family one time that, uh, had a five-year-old little girl. She had gone through cancer treatment, um, long odds, really long odds. And she'd beaten it and had been in remission for better part of two years. Um, you just kind of really like was, was just shocked. Like the, all of the, the oncologists were just really just amazed at how well she'd responded and that she was, you know, off and running to be a regular five-year-old little girl. Um, during that time, the dad had also kind of been dealing with some chronic issues, nothing like major, but you know, it was rough and it was hard for him to maintain a regular job. But anyway, everything was great. They had kind of paid down a lot of the medical debt that they had from the little girl. And, uh, she has a recurrence of, of the cancer that she had and uh, it came and it took her really quickly. And the family, once she passed, uh, the family was in such dire financial straits that they could not afford to claim her body from the hospital morgue. And I don't share that just for the sake of impact. I share that because that is the reality of the world in which we live. Right. And that is the reality of, kind of some byproducts of a system that's that's pretty jacked and i'm not blaming anybody for it sure. but that's that's the reality of of what some of our brothers and sisters and our neighbors have to deal with yeah or uh, a funeral for that child so that their family could you know could properly uh send her home and and say their goodbyes mm. and you know i've always i told you that you know while i was going through that phase of my life like just trying to find out you know more meaning a story like that is what gets me out of bed in the morning. Absolutely. I'll never right. meet that family. I never right. did meet that family and I'm okay with it. Yeah. But I know that when I get out of bed in the morning, regardless of how mundane it is to the operation of this organization, we're making a difference in the lives of somebody. Right. And that's powerful, man. And I, I do not, I do not for a second um, trivialize how lucky and blessed and fortunate I am to have that opportunity. I wish everybody had a chance to, to have that kind of meaningful life and have an opportunity to, uh, to make the impact, uh, like we're making. Yeah. I, um, I say often, uh, you know, that whatever my next step in my career is going to be, is, is going to be tough for me to leave because I get fulfilled so much from the work that we do. Right. Um, I took a huge pay cut when I first came to me fine. I'm sure because, yeah. because I believed and nobody comes to the nonprofit sector to get paid. Right. Right. Um, right. right. I, but I believe so much in the work yeah. and felt so called, right. Felt so moved uh, about what we did that uh, it was a no brainer. And um, 
if I could tell a personal story here. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I guess it's all been personal. So what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, uh, on my first, uh, two weeks with me I was going around with, um, with our, the person that was our program ambassador at the time and meeting uh, our allies in the hospital and the folks in the hospital that we work with that help make referrals uh, of families to us. And, um, we'd done all our meetings at Duke and then we're meeting everybody at UNC. And it just so happened that on the, on the calendar, the last guy that we met at UNC was the, uh, was the attending in the Nick, actually, no, he wasn't attending. Maybe he was anyway, he was, he was at the time was the head of the neonatal intensive care unit at UNC children's hospital. Yeah. Uh, a guy by the name of Wayne price, not very kind of a diminutive guy, uh, relatively soft-spoken, but something about him kind of grabbed me. You know, you ever been around those people where they just kind oh, of absolutely. something, something about their presence just gets a hold of you. Right. And I remember just being kind of just impressed or at least drawn to Dr. Price. Well, um, that would have been in early February, less than, uh, less than two months later, I was sitting in a consult as a parent with that same doctor, because we had just found out that my son was going to be born with spina bifida. And we would likely spend a great deal of, a great deal of time in that same neonatal intensive care unit. Wow. And that was the point of my life where me fine went from something that was very, uh, a, a very deep passion of mine to something that became very personal. Real. Right. Exactly. And, and it was, it, it was because we were going to kind of be walking down those same paths of the families that me fine serves. I'm incredibly lucky and incredibly blessed that um, we haven't had some of the economic trials and, and turmoil that, that a lot of these families see, but emotionally been there. Wow. Um, spiritually, psychologically yeah. uh, been there. I, yeah. I, I know what it's like. So it's one of those things where I get a little bit of personal, I guess, personal account balancing, knowing that what we've had to go through, we're all, I'm also a part of a larger mechanism mm -hmm. that is helping families go through that same thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, that, again, that's something else that I wish everybody could experience. Like I wish everybody could feel what it's like to have something that you do and spend a lot of time and energy at feel like it's helping uh, equalize, you know, things in your own life. It's just, it's a really, really amazing feeling. I, I don't, I don't take that for granted at all. Well, uh, so three things that I just took out of what you said, and they, it's funny because they all three mold together with the things that we've talked about so far. I was I was wondering if and I didn't want to mention it because there's you know, you follow a lot of people on Twitter and sometimes you get wires crossed. But I I, I do think I remember. Uh, well, I do remember for sure now that you mentioned it, that that watching because you tweeted some of those challenges that you all were going through. And I remember, you know, praying for you all personally. Um, and, and watching you walk through that and then you being connected to the foundation. So I'm, I'm so glad to hear the backstory because I didn't know if one drew to the other or the other drew to the one or, or they just, it sounds like they just happened to happen together at the same time. But I'm not naive enough to think that there wasn't some divine intervention there. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I so Twitter, me fine and your own family personal story all those three came together and i remember that on twitter mm. and i remember i remember you sharing some of that on twitter and i you know I, i'm an empath 
Right. So when I, my Twitter feed and I've, I keep pruning and, and refining it because, <laughs> we all do. because yeah. honestly, there, right. There's people that I just don't need in my life, uh, yeah. especially because I am an empath. But when I see somebody I've never met before, like you, and I, I follow your tweets and I laugh and I, I enjoy the, you know, like we said earlier, I, I enjoy that. And there's people that, that some of them are lifeblood for me because it's Carolina and you guys are there and you know, and I, you know, there's some of that, but then there's the personal side, right? We all share some things. Some people share some We're personal humans, things man. on Twitter. And, and so I'm an empath. So I feel that. And I felt that for your family. So it's a powerful story. And the other thing I would tell you is based on, you said your graduation date, I think I'm about 10 miles down the road further <laughs> than yeah, all right. about, I'm about 10 exits or, or so further down the road. Uh, and what I would tell you in that, that those 10 exits difference between us is I've probably learned, um, you know, your career, man, you can make all the money in the world, but if you're not fulfilled, and it sounds like you just said that, um, who cares? Because honestly, ten, my, 10 exits down the road, it still looks like it did back there and you're still not going to be happy. Um, but to wake up with purpose every day, it doesn't matter who you work for. I've had some great jobs and I've worked for mm -hmm. some really cool things. But if I wasn't fulfilled and if I felt like the purpose that I uh, thought I signed up for and what I got are not the same, then it wasn't worth it. And so, I, you know, I, I've been called the king of wrestlers and I've mentioned this on multiple podcasts, but yeah. Uh, I don't know that I'm restless. I'm think I'm, I want to be fulfilled like you are. I want, I want to mean, I want my life to mean something. And like you said, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow morning. So if I don't wake up one day, my kids are older. Um, yeah. One in college, one going to be in college next year and one, two years behind her. But uh, if I don't wake up one morning, I want this podcast. I want the blog I used yeah. to have. Yeah. This podcast resides on. I want my friends and the people I knew to tell them the story if they don't remember it. Yeah. That my life meant something. And so you're doing that, man. That's that's awesome. It's I appreciate you saying that. It's um two two things that I've heard of the last 10 years or so come to mind. Um one was right before I made my career switch. And I don't think it hit me with the magnitude that it stuck with me, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Like it, yeah. you know, it's it was yeah. powerful then, but I didn't realize it was gonna be something that I'd stuck around, stuck with and repeated 10, 12 years later. Yeah. <clears throat> um, we were, I used to be on the programs committee for the Raleigh Young Professionals Network. And um, I was the chair of that committee for a while. And we put the programs together for this huge network of young people trying to get out in the business world and crush it. And, you know, right. And one of our speakers one time, uh, a guy by the name of Keith Pegues, um, he said, you keep thinking about climbing this ladder and climbing this ladder and climbing this ladder. But what if your ladder is up against the wrong wall? Right. Right. It's not that you're on the wrong ladder. It's that's not good. that you're climbing the wrong way. It's that your ladder's against the wrong wall, man. That's good. That's so and, good. I, and it's, that was, that was, that was something so that the older I've got, it's really resonated with me. Yeah. And um, I was on a, a podcast with a, a guy a while back is probably a couple of years ago. And he's really, he's really uh, a fan of, of nonprofit work and work in the social sector. And he, uh, when I was kind of telling my story to him, his, his thing to me was, he's like, oh, well, you're doing epitaph work. Right. And that's exactly what, you know, if we go back to what I was feeling, you know, 10, nine years ago, I was feeling like, what is my epitaph work? Right. What is the work that's going to be said about me after I'm dead, whether it's on my tombstone or otherwise? Um, and I just, I think that's one of the things I wish for everybody is that they had a chance to do epitaph work. Yeah. 
Because I think we get caught in this cycle, right? You get caught in, I bought a house, I bought a car, I have a kids or, you know, one kid or kids, mm-hmm. uh, they need this. I'm in, co- I'm in the college mode now. So I got to pay for college. I got oh, this yeah. and, you know, and, and, and we get in the mode. And before we know it, I think we quickly look back and we've lost 10, 20 years of our life and we've paid for all the stuff we needed to pay for, but man, we were miserable, you know? And I think this, it's so funny. I had somebody on last night that I'm going to post on Friday um, that talked about the same thing. I think everybody's in that mode of, especially with COVID and everything else, I think it's brought our mortality and our, um, we, we think we're invincible and we're not, um, you know? And, and I think it, it, when that hits, whether it's close directly or a close friend or a family mm-hmm. member, we're, quite, we're, we're quickly faced with the reality of, am I where I want to be and am I doing what I want to do? Yeah. And um, I love that you're doing that, man. I really do. And I have. I, th- that's why I want to have you on. That's why I kept bugging you on direct message. <laughs> was, uh, you weren't bugging I, me, man. I, just, I, I told again, Ralph, I was trying to ease back into Twitter. I was trying to just, just <laughs> kindly step back in and make sure the water was all right. It, it wasn't that I was dodging you, I promise. It was more of like, am I going to well, look Car- at it today? No, maybe. All right. <laughs> well, Carolina Twitter is better with you in it. Um, Thank and, you. Uh, and the same with rail man two two great guys and uh sometime i'd love to just sit down with the two of you and just have a great time down in chapel hill somewhere but um man i i appreciate the work you do with me fine so you mentioned this already but again i don't know where this lands i never know where this lands and i never promise where it's going to land but who knows and if somebody hears this and they want to contribute or do something to help me find how do they do that well and, and you make a great point whether it's me fine or anything around them just help organizations that are doing the work. Or right. that's the biggest thing is that our sector does the work that nobody else wants to do or will yeah. spend the or the resources to do. Yeah. Um, so if, if they feel called to to help our work, um, I will say, you know, we work just with the three, the three hospitals in North Carolina. So I don't want anybody to feel like, you know, it, we would be helping um, Cincinnati Children's or Nationwide. Or anything like that. Right, 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 right. But there probably are organizations like that in that community. Yeah. Our, uh, our website is mefindfoundation.org. Uh, on Facebook, it's at MeFine Foundation. Uh, on Twitter, it's at MeFineNC. I think it's the same for the gram. Um, you know, just we, we're a, honestly a check writing organization. Money goes in for us to operate and we put money right back in the hands of these families, whether it's paying their, their electric bills or, you know, in the form of gas cards or, you know, gift cards, then go buy groceries, that kind of stuff. But even if MeFine doesn't speak to you, I would challenge anybody who is hearing our voices today take a second, give to something that you feel passionate about, 100%. because I guarantee you there is a, there's an organization in the social sector that could use that donation and honestly could use your network. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's not just, you know, if, if, if Steve in, in Akron is hearing this, um, Steve <laughs> needs to know that Steve needs to know that there's an organization in Akron that real, really value his dollar, but also will value the fact that he is, aware of them and will hopefully tell his network about that organization. Absolutely. So you know, just whoever's listening, man, just go do something for an organization around you that you feel called to, to help. And I think we're seeing it with our buddy. Um, like he's our friend, maybe he's your friend. He's not mine, but uh, 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 Portnoy, right. I mean, you're seeing the power of someone with yeah. influence, yep. what he can do. And right it now I don't even, I've lost track of how much that guy's pulled in for small businesses, but man, as, as, someone that's uh, in a small business, I appreciate how that guy's saving the lives of small businesses right now. It's huge. It it absolutely matters. And And it's nothing more than him making some phone calls and some tweets. I mean, it really is that simple, right? 
done. And that's, that's all it's, you know, just, that's where, that's where, like I said earlier, don't go start a nonprofit, help these organizations that are already in existence, whether it's for-profit or otherwise. I mean, just, you know, help the people that already have the mechanism, the infrastructure and, and and help them to do what they're doing, whether that's you giving your time or your hours or or your money. Right. Well, man, this is, this has been awesome. Uh, Do you want to talk a little hoops? Uh, well, we are, we established online that we we're weren't going to talk, talk about, we're not no. going to talk about the, uh, and I can talk about that, which shall not be mentioned. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to, man. I'm, I'm, I'm always down to talk Tar Heels anytime and any place, regardless of sport or location. Well, you're, you're my eyes and ears there. I've had Adam Lucas on, which was a huge honor for me. I, yeah. That guy is amazing. He's absolutely yeah. amazing. Having Rel on. We all want, on. right? <laughs> again. Speaking of jobs, we all want, right? Like, right. I think, I, I think Adam's got a. Adam's got a sweet gig and he does a great job at it too. And and that's it. He's so good at it. So same with Sherelle. Sherelle, God, I wish I was a quarter of the writer that, that Sherelle or Adam are. Both of those guys are just phenomenal, phenomenal writers. And my degree was in media production and communications, but I didn't go to the J school. So maybe that was the problem is like, I, if I'd actually gone to journalism school, I'd be a much, much more polished writer than I am. Well, all, all, all three of you guys have been my eyes and ears, Adam, Adam. And I told him on this, on his podcast. I mean, I, when I was a, bl- I was a terrible student. And so I, I learned how to write between him and Max Locato. Uh, yeah. They taught me how to write. And I actually had a kind of good run with a blog for a long time um, based on my following those two guys. They just, they just have a way with words and I learned a lot from them. But so, um, but all right, we won't talk about Tuesday night, but let's just talk in overarching, <laughs> overarching generality, whatever the word is. <laughs> right. Uh, my guess is, and you're you're there. You're you're closer to this than I am. So, like, if you ask me a Buckeye question, I could probably answer it because it's I'm inundated with it. Right. And you could you could probably see the eye roll as I said it. All right. Anyway. It's just straight up, real talk. How did Justin Fields not have his spleen ruptured the other night? Yeah, that was bad. You know what though? I didn't I didn't think it was targeting. I, I don't know that it was. I don't know if it was targeting. I I don't think it was targeting. I think the kid got hurt by yeah. a really really rough hit. Yeah. I think they legislated based on him being hurt. Right. Um, and I'm glad that he's not hurt. Like, I'm glad right. he's going to play because I, when, when you see a title game, you want to see everybody at full strength, right? Absolutely. So right. I'm not, and I never want to see anybody get hurt, but I was just right. like, I've seen, um, I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. So I, I know you have seen some bad football, um, but I, I've seen a lot of awful football. And when Chris Sims was quarterback for the Bucks, he got hit in one game. Uh, and I can't remember who hit him. I, can't, I think it might've been Julius Peppers for the Panthers but hit him in, in the same, almost in the same place that, uh, that Justin Fields got hit and it, it ruptured his spleen. Wow. Like, yeah. So I, I, I saw that. I'm like, God, I hope Fields didn't have his spleen ruptured. So I'm, yeah. I'm amazed that, that kid is not, uh, did not have some internal abdominal cavity issues, but right. glad, glad yeah, to hear right. it. Who knows? Yeah. Cause they're not talking about it, which is very interesting, right. but, um, I, I, I know. So if, again, we started talking Tar Heels, so I probably lost, a quarter of any people that was listening, I'm going to lose the, the, the other three quarters now from Columbus <laughs> because I don't think it was targeting. I thought when, when I, back in the day, when you were taught to play football, you were taught to tackle shoulder, pinch yep. your head. I was, it was I a saw, textbook tackle. Yeah. I saw that guy shoulder pinch his head. That's me. I'm not a Buckeye hater. I don't really care. I didn't have a skin in the game. I'm just saying it wasn't targeting. No, it was, it was a textbook tackle. It just so <laughs> happened. Like I said, that, it was just they hard. saw was they really saw hard. a kid get hurt right really badly by a really rough hit yeah. and now that targeting is a thing that's the first thing you want to do is try to legislate towards the aftermath as opposed to legislating towards the action and I, I still say that I don't know that that 70 percent of college officials know 
the definition of targeting anyway. <laughs> right. It's, right. It's That's why we got to go to review. <laughs> it's absolutely absurd. <laughs> right. All right. So we're not going to talk about Tuesday night, but we we're overarching. Here's my, here's my take from a whole lot of years of watching Carolina basketball and a whole lot of years of watching Roy. I think Roy is right now, he, he opened up five jobs and he said, mm. who wants one? And he's, he's, He's rotating all the, he's got more horses. Last year was a, last year was a train wreck. Everybody was hurt. He didn't have the bodies to play, right? This year, he's got some toys in the chest and he's just trying to figure out how do they mesh? And I, in my opinion, the first couple of games, I think he put it on paper and he said, all right, let's roll with these five. Mm -hmm. Those five weren't getting it done and he ain't going through another season this way. And so I think he has said, all right, maybe not verbally, but in his mind, I, what I see Roy Williams doing is saying, okay, I got five positions. Who wants it? Yeah. He's, he's uh, rotating. If he's given Puff Johnson a minute or two minutes here or there, right. what Kerwin Walton did to go in there and Kerwin Walton said, you know what? That job's open. I'm taking it. And he mm-hmm. took it. And it's his the rest of the year. Same with Sharp. Uh, Leaky, of all people, I believe, has now stepped forward and said, I'm he's taking that job. responded well. So he's now we got three well. out of five. Okay, I think Baycott was playing fantastic beginning of the year. I don't know what's happened the last few games. I don't know where Brooks is. I think Aaron's it's time to worry about Brooks. Games. And you got to get a point guard. I mean, I, I'm at the point where put KJ in because I don't need somebody that can score 50. I need somebody that cannot turn the ball over. Yeah. <laughs> at this that, point, at this point, you can you can help us by not hurting us. Right. And just just hey, KJ, just go in there. I could see do that. Thing, don't turn the ball over. Be be to a Tampa Bay reference. Be um, who's the guy that won the Super Bowl? Brad for? Johnson, Brad Johnson, or even uh, Trent Dilfer. Don't just yep. don't you don't have to throw for 500 yards, just don't turn the ball over. Don't turn it over, get get it to your right. So, here, so here, here's um, I'll take your analogy a little bit further. Okay, Roy has got a lot of really uh fancy Italian car parts right now. Yes, the problem is he tried to put them all together, and some were Maserati, some were Lamborghini, some were Ferrari, mm-hmm. or whatever. So uh, I will say for all the knocks on Roy and, and coaches are stubborn. Roy might be even in the, in the longer spectrum of being stubborn. He, I mean, that's through his own admissions, right? But for all the knocks on him about that, you cannot say that he's not tinkering with things right now. And, more than ever. and we, we, typically, and, and Rel and I actually talked about this recently on the coast to coast podcast on inside Carolina.com plug. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we were recently discussing the fact that there, you know, he's he's not when you see these types of of lineup changes from Roy it's usually one guy right he swapped out three dudes which is the biggest like home run swing to rip off another sports uh, analogy that's the biggest home run swing I think he's ever taken I mean you'll see him do you know sub in five for five like the hockey line change and bring the blue team in during a game yep this is a different animal and this is the type of thing that I don't know that he's ever done before I know he hasn't done it at Carolina and so for some of the folks that say he's not, you know, it's the coach's fault. Yeah. Um, and that's not me being, being an apologist, right? Like that's just, I, I think some of it, you got to lay at the feet of the players. And, and I do think, so this is where I'll probably get accused of being a Pollyanna and, and, and folks that know me, like during the course of the game, I've, I've, I used to be really, really pessimistic, but I think, I, I still think that this team has the tools, you know, going with the, the car parts reference you got to get all of the you got to get all of them for the same car together and right. i think this team has the tools typically roy's teams underproduce early in the year or underperform early in the year and he tinkers and tinkers and adjusts and by the end of the year they're a finely tuned machine right well 
they're on that same trajectory now. Like yeah. he, he's, he is the king of, I'm going to let y'all figure this out. Even if we lose to, you know, uh, Sally DeVry tech junior college of, right. of light. Right. right. Um, the problem is this year you started the season later, you like, have 10 you less have games. You didn't have, and for you and see, this is uniquely important. You didn't have the summer of running scrimmages twice a day with the pro guys. Right. Because of COVID. I'm not making excuses because no. everybody, I, I said the other day on our, on our just as bad. Everybody's Horrible. terrible. Like aside you know, from Gonzaga right now, I think everybody in college basketball is bad. hundred um, percent. So throw the top 25 out because it's not going to look to your point. And I think this is where you're going. Yeah. 25 today will not look like it does at the end of the season. It doesn't look now like it did three weeks ago. Right. I mean, it's, it's, the big, it's, 10, it's the so, big 10 is, and I said, I just said this to a, a Duke fan today. I actually work with somebody that's a, that went to Duke. I'm sorry. That's, know, that's it's, unfortunate. It's we, 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 we make it work, but I told him because <laughs> he was asking if I watched the Duke game last night and I'm like, yeah, man, they don't look good at all, but I said, they won, today, but they don't look good at all. But they won, but they're they're a mess too. You know, Kentucky's a train wreck, but they've won two in a row. Carolina's won two in a row. You know, Duke is now two and zero in the ACC. Like before, you like I'm not worried about it. But what you see in the Big Ten because everybody's making a big deal out of oh nine teams in the you know ranked. Who cares? Welcome to the ACC. Every you know they were. I was watching some game over the weekend of Ohio or it wasn't Ohio State. It was somebody, and they were showing the. It might have been. I think it was Ohio State. They're talking about look at the schedule coming up, and I'm like, yeah, welcome to the ACC. Like, okay, yes. so cool, you're playing some people that are ranked. Good look, like that's every year in the ACC. Yeah. And you're like, so everybody's really excited about the Big Ten, but I think the Big Ten is a bunch of, to your point, their seniors and their their upperclassmen. That team. matters. That it matters. Matters. So they came out of the gate really strong, but they're at their ceiling. Those teams are not going to get any better than they are today. Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, Notre Dame. Uh, Michigan State there, there's there's teams now that are at the bottom that I, by yeah. the end they're you're pr proven and true and I I'm with you last year but I think a lot of people are are last year hurt a lot of people because we're very spoiled sure so everybody's like real nervous but I'm telling you it's but it is frustrating to watch oh it's I, it's, I, it's watching so, so I, I actually my fandom was it's weird my, my fandom uh and love for Carolina basketball a lot of it came from my grandmother um, yeah. who she just passed last year, but her reverence for Dean Smith. And I've heard you talk about, you know, not the Dean comma Smith, Dean <laughs> Smith, um, her reverence for him and the way she spoke about him. Yeah. Uh, like watching this team right now, uh, if cancer hadn't have taken her, this season would have, right? Like it's just, <laughs> it's just watching, watching this, this team turn the ball over so much is what's cool. so frustrating. And, and, yeah. but, but to go back to, again, bring it full circle and maybe we can bring back that other 75% of your audience. If you look <laughs> at the teams that are excelling right now, specifically yeah. the ones in the big 10 and Texas and a couple of other ones, the teams with veteran guards, they've been there. playing well because they're not turning the ball over. Right. Right. That even, even the teams right now who are good, if they've got young guards, their turnovers are through the freaking roof. Right. Well, North Carolina has, has neither of those. They have young guards and, and they're still trying to round into form. So they've got the turnovers and they don't have the, and they lack the, the veteran leadership at the perimeter. Yeah. Guide them. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think this season will improve. I do think they'll, uh, you know, I, I, I told some friends of mine probably back in, I guess early November, I said that the national champion this year is going to be something because of COVID and because of just the way the game's going to turn out. The national champion this year is going to be, is going to be like 16 and six. 
that's gonna, <laughs> right. Their right. record's going to be something stupid. They're not going to have a ton of wins. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and they're probably going to have some one or two just brutal losses. Yeah. And, you know, save for Gonzaga, I just don't think anybody in college basketball right now is any good because everything's been so disrupted. Right. And even the young kids, teams that rely on young kids, Duke, Kentucky, et cetera, they're struggling because the young kids just haven't had the normal right. prototypical um, chain of progression that they have when they, they come on a college campus. Yep. Agreed 100%. So that, that, that's 100% what I think when I look at this team. I get so irritated. I was so irritated, especially <laughs> just a simple entry pass. Like if, and that's, I'm telling you, and, and I noticed it in the game. I know we're not going to talk about the game Tuesday night, but in the game Tuesday night in the second half, and I have a feeling if I was on, if I was a fly on the wall in the locker room at halftime, Roy said, if you guys make one more lollipop mm-hmm. lob entry pass, yeah. I'm going to cut you from this team because yeah. in the second half, they made very, they made, they, they were very, very, intentional about decisive bounce yep. passes right yep. and, and i think the aeu stuff that worked in aeu because everybody plays zone nobody cares so you just right. throw that lob pass it doesn't work at this level anymore and that's what's killing those two guards because we, we rely on the bigs you got to get the ball to the bigs we like i'm on the team but it, you know you gotta you gotta get the ball and now i'm coaching but i just i watch these games and i just want to throw my shoe through the tv because it's like it's so simple and that's the beauty of it it's simple it's that's- all fixable that's We're also the thing about- where I think I think the coaching staff is in the same boat you are. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why I think you see things like a a three player swap in in the starting lineup. I think that's yeah. why you see I mean, Roy typically is one to have a longer bench than most. And I think that's one of the things right now, too, that's actually hurting this team is they're tra- you know, yeah. it's it's hard for him to he's got so many car, Italian car parts yeah. that he doesn't know exactly which ones fit with what. But he wants to give them all a fair shot to, right. to be of impact. Right. And so the flip side of that is you've you keep moving. You know, you'll platoon some guys in there and then you got a guy who was on fire um, well, like Baycott was against Georgia Tech or like uh, like Sharp was the other night. You yeah. got to pull them because you want to give these other guys a chance. So it's it's yeah. just it's a combination of uh, or an amalgamation of just crap. And right. I think he's trying to work with it. But his frustration, I guarantee you, sounds just like ours. It's probably just on 100%. steroids. Um, but I, I think we're, right. we're, we're we're pointing out the uh, trust me, we're pointing out the same stuff that they see that they're drilling in practice right now. And I said that to my son watching the game Tuesday night. Is I look, you could see Roy. I mean, he's he sits back and he just. What can he say? He's, yeah, he's yeah. told them like yeah. at some point they got to just do it. Got to do right? it, right? It's on the players. 100%. Yep. All right. Well, we could talk all day, Carolina, and I, I would love to do that again. Where and maybe we'll revisit it uh, back in March. And I think we should get a, you know, me, you, and Rel on in March and talk about because I hopefully we're going to be making a nice run. But I agree. I don't know anybody's going to touch Gonzaga. They're really good. They're they're, they're good and they're old, Carolina right? Good. Yeah, no, they're, they're absolutely Carolina good. They're good. They're old. Um, I think they're probably going to buzzsaw a lot of teams in the tournament. I mean, they usually have one or two hiccups because they play the that West Coast Conference schedule. But I don't even know. Maybe Baylor. I, I don't even know who could defend them right now because right. the college, the defense of college basketball has been bad. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm like you. I, if there's ever been a year for for Mark for you to get one, I think this is it. I hope so. You know, the guy. He's a good, he's a good dude. He's a good coach. And he, you know, I'm glad he didn't get one a few years ago. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Uh, get it whenever you want. Just don't get it when you're, uh, when you're at the expense of, uh, right. When you're at the expense of the right When they got one a few years ago, but that's fine. It's, <sighs> this is fine. All right. So, all right, man, this has been awesome. I, I don't want to take a ton of your time. I, I know I appreciate so much you coming on. This has been a lot of fun. And um, I, hopefully if anybody, you know, hasn't logged off or, or is, 
you know, quit listening because of the <laughs> talk. Uh, they really do hear the passion that you have for me fine. And, and in a way I have, you know, for any foundation, but um, you know, that one is close to you. And as a guest of mine, it's close to me now. So, um, Thank you. you know, anything I can do to support or help me fine, please let me know. Um, but anybody listening, you know, please look into it, you know, let, let's just do what we can to help each other because that's the world's on fire as we saw yesterday, just but a yeah. great time, but we can still, it doesn't mean we can't still help great people doing great things like what you're doing. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, I, I consider myself lucky, fortunate, and blessed to be able to do what I do. And uh, it doesn't happen without people like you caring about our work and the and, you know the the investors that we have that invest in our work in the community and the people that that want us to continue to strengthen those around us. Uh, it doesn't happen without that. And um, yeah, just anybody if there's anybody listening that you know that that's kind of on the fence about um, doing something more meaningful in their life, just I'd, I'd strongly encourage them to follow it, take that leap of faith. Um, and you know what? If it doesn't work just dust yourself off and try it again. I mean, it's, yeah. you, know, you only, we only got, we only got one, uh, only got one time, uh, uh, you know, on this planet and absolutely, uh, an indefinite times around the sun, but we got to figure it out while we're here. And, um, yeah, and if anybody else is listening to Tar Heel fans that, that don't know, be sure to check out inside Carolina yes. live yes. every Saturday morning at yeah. 10 o'clock Eastern on a uh, chapelboro.com or WCHL 97, nine, the Hill in Chapel Hill. Um, you can see that advertised on inside Carolina, but, uh, been lucky enough to be a part of that with Tommy Ashley and uh, really love hosting that show. So uh, yeah, I appreciate you giving us a chance and a platform to talk about all the stuff that's, that's so close and, and dear to me. Yeah. And I, I totally forgot. I'm sorry. Welcome to unscripted. That's the part You've of been busy, man. It's all right. If, if I had a notes, I, I would have remembered, but, uh, and normally sometimes I do right, but that's unscripted. So uh, please talk about that. You, you are on inside Carolina podcast and we are thankful for and the other one, the it's coast to coast. So tell, tell me that too. Let, let's give that to Tommy. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's um, talk about your podcast and all you're doing down there. Cause I, I pro and I thank you for bringing it up. I'm so no sorry. No worries. Um, uh, yeah. So InstaCarolina.com, it's part of the 24 seven sports network. Uh, I am lucky enough. Used to be a subscriber when they first got started um, or was a subscriber when they first got started and was still, you know, a big time consumer of their content. Uh, I host a couple of different podcasts for them. Uh, the one we're doing right now is called uh, coast to coast. I do want to host one called um, the throwback uh, during the off season, which you look at old uh, Tar Heel games and kind of go back to win. Uh, and, and then we also do one called the backstory, which is a little bit kind of like uh, Paul Harvey meets sports, uh, which is kind That's of my, awesome. my, yeah, it was kind of my, my take there. And then also every Saturday uh, during football season, it's more of a football pregame show uh, two hours before or three hours before kickoff. Um, but during uh, basketball season, we go back to 10 a.m. We do two hours every Saturday morning. So I hope folks will come spend their, their 10 a.m. to 12 noon with us talking Tar Heels. And I think you can, can you get that on a tune in? Because if I'm yep. not, in, if I'm, because again, this is. You can tell your, can yeah, tell your, um, tell your, tell your whatever Alexa, Siri, whomever your, your, your virtual <laughs> your uh, sweetheart is. is, tell them to, uh, to play 97.9 The Hill, uh, or um, yeah, it's on TuneIn, it's WCHL, uh, or you can stream it at their website, it's chapelboro.com. And I'm gonna put all these links in this post when I put it all together. Uh, I guess. If anybody doesn't do it, but can we find the podcast on all the normal podcast channels? 
Yep. Just a search, uh, all the inside Carolina podcasts for, you know, not only just ours, but um, there's some other ones. There's uh, there's on the beat, which is a weekly review of media. Uh, we have a lot, just, there's a ton of inside Carolina content coming out. There's a reason that inside Carolina is the number one subs- uh, college fan site on the, on the 24 seven network, but we put a ton of content out. And if you want any of those UNC themed podcasts, yeah, go to uh, Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your pods from. Um, just search inside Carolina and it'll show up. Awesome, man. Thank you. This has been fun. And, uh, it's nothing more than I, I, it's nothing else than I thought it would be. And, uh, that's a compliment because there's a lot of people on social media that, that aren't who they think, you know, propose to be or act like they are. And, uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate all you do. And, uh, I appreciate what you do for us as Heels fans, not in that area. (laughs) Keep us, keep us up to date. And, uh, I look forward to, to just staying online and keeping, keeping in touch. Well, I appreciate it, AC, and thank you for having me, and thanks for using this this platform to allow people to tell their stories and, you know, allow folks to to share how they can get the most out of out of their time on this planet, and uh, you're doing a good thing, too, so don't, don't forget to shed some light on that and make sure you're giving yourself some grace every day. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon, all right? All right, man. Go we'll heels. see you. Go Take heels. care. Go heels. Yeah. <laughs> see you. <ya. laughs>